I'm just going to say this now. Probably some spoilers ahead. Maybe. You'll see. If you are a fan of the TV show Our Flag Means Death, because who isn't right now? Let's be honest. But you want to watch the show unfold as it happens, this might not be the podcast for you. If you are familiar with what happens historically, then continue. Um, small spoiler alert, though. Everyone dies at some point. <laughs> and that's how we get hauntings, and hence this podcast. Uh, also, it's like 300 years old. Just saying. Hello, goblins and ghouls, and welcome to My Haunted Life podcast, the podcast all about the dark history behind your favorite paranormal stories. I'm your host, Angela Hartshorn. Hello, goblins and ghouls. How are you all doing today? I hope you are wonderful and amazing because you deserve it. A little bit of housekeeping. I realized I said I would be releasing podcasts on the first and the third Thursdays of the month. And this last month ended up being more along the lines of the second and the fourth Thursday. So, you know, I'm only doing it one month and I already screwed it up. Anyways, whoops. That means you get one podcast next week as well so I can get back onto the regular schedule. I also have some really cool things coming up. They're not like totally ready by uh, this recording. So look for them on the Facebook group. I, I'm very excited because I, I need you, your guys' help helping me pick out something for the podcast. Um, I'm also, for the Patreon subscribers, filming this. So there is going to be a live version of the podcast. I guess it's not live. You're watching it later. Um, it's going to be unedited, behind the scenes. It's going to be unedited because I don't know how to do video editing, but whatever. But if you would like to watch me record the podcast, you're going to have that ability. I'm very excited about that. Honestly, if you watch the recording, I hate every second of it. But it's something we're trying. Um, I can't help but not say something about the Texas shooting. I usually like to try to keep... Um, current events out of the podcast that's for the most part um i if you watch the uh the video i had to put on makeup because i was crying most of the night it's just i it's so horrific i remember being in schools i i went to school to be a teacher and I remember one of the last days I subbed, I was in a second grade class.
classroom and we had to do an active shooter drill. And don't get me wrong, I grew up in Colorado. I was in school for Columbine. We, it, it, I hate to say it, it's just a part of our lives now. But being in a teaching, in an adult position, doing a active shooter drill is the, it's so surreal that suddenly you realize all these little kids' lives are in your hands. And it was, it was a drill. And it was really weird because at the time, um, nobody was really taking it seriously. They had it in place because, you know, there's active shooters in high schools. There's, um, every once in a while, like an elementary school would get a disgruntled parent who wasn't allowed to see their child kind of thing. That, those, those sort of things. This was like only a month or two before Sandy Hook. And I, I, I just keep thinking about that constantly. So I definitely want to send out um, my condolences, I guess, to the families affected in all of this. And I'm going to cry. Oh, I didn't want to cry. I'm so sorry. Um, I I don't know. I Hug your loved ones tighter today. Um, yeah. Ugh. Sorry, totally bringing everything down immediately. Wasn't prepared for that. I didn't even, like, write anything for this. I'm just attempting to speak from the heart. But, uh... Yeah. You guys. <laughs> Whew, okay. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to cry again. Um, but yes, our, our thoughts go out to the families and I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to try to try to take us back to a livelier note. I don't know how. Promise not to cry anymore. That's not true. This is actually the podcast that made me cry. So, on this week's podcast. Whew. Take a second. Uh, on this week's podcast, I'm telling you all about pirate ghosts. That's right. We're literally talking about ghost pirates. Like, cue the Scooby-Doo music right now. I am so excited. Uh, so, as you all should know by now, I am a giant nerd. Giant nerd. And one of my newest obsessions is Our Flag Means Death on HBO starring Rice Darby, who I would leave my husband for. Like, he knows this. He, he knows it's a possibility. And Taika Watikiki? I have a hard time. I feel so bad. As the pirates Steed, Bonnet, and Blackbeard. Some people, I was surprised, 
haven't realized that these were real guys. And I feel like everyone has heard of Blackbeard from the five million pop culture references out there like Ian McShane and Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and apparently Hugh Jackman in the Pan movie which I never saw and I really need to go see now apparently I'm just like yes uh some people this is funny I I did run into a few people who thought Blackbeard was just a fictional character think like Gulliver from Gulliver's Travels. They didn't realize he was actually a real person. It's just this legend that's gone on forever. I thought that was interesting. Anyways, they're both real guys. Bonnet is less well known. Growing up, I had a pirate phase. I mean, who didn't? Like, seriously. I remember when Pirates of the Caribbean came out, I already had all this pirate knowledge, like a total dork. And I remember always doing the uh, Captain Jack Sparrow Sparrow tattoo on my arm in permanent marker during my biology class because I thought I was cool like that. Anyways. And so I read about all these guys and I remember reading about the gentleman pirate. And gonna be honest, he wasn't my favorite. I, I kind of lumped him in with the likes of like Holden Caulfield and Catcher of the Rye. You know, the, the classic poor little rich kid archetype. And honestly, I haven't really thought of him since. Like, I think middle school I remember reading and that was about it. Okay, whatever. And then I found out that Rice Darby was in a pirate show and I needed it in my life more than anything. Our flag means death puts a comedic and romantic spin on Bonnet and Blackbeard's relationship. And it it made me care a little too much about these characters. And as I'm watching the show, I couldn't help but wonder if there's ghost stories associated with them. And of course there is. So I did some digging and honestly, Bonnet might be one of my favorite pirates now. <laughs> Not just because of Rice Darby, I swear. That being said, what happens to these guys is pretty rough. So maybe prepare yourself like this. Like I said, this is the one that made me tear up. Oh, I also wanted to throw this out here in the research. I was trying to like figure out where parts of the show happened in the research. And honestly, it's like historically timeline. Honestly, it bounces all over the place. There's parts that happen so much later. There's parts that were changed. Obviously, it's a comedic show for HBO with fun pirates. So it's not going to be historically accurate, but I really couldn't tell you where the history starts and stops, basically. So again, if you wanted to watch the show to see what happens with these guys, hopefully we get a second season, knock on wood. 
I couldn't tell you where to stop listening. So, take it all with a grain of salt. Prepare yourself. I don't know. So, anyways, let's get into it, shall we? Grab yourself a cup of tea. Make sure the doors are locked and the sage is close by. I have a story for you. Sounds just right, sounds quite nice, I could say that twice, sounds quite nice, we won't live long, for we lay a yodly law, smash and gouge and stab and poke and choke you out, that's a pirate's life, pirate's life, short but nice, for we lay a yodly law. Alright, so we have a lot of history to get through because it's interesting and rather important to the whole story. Plus, I love comparing and contrasting a newer pop culture thing to a historical reference it, that it's based off of. So, from here on out, prepare for a lot of Our Flag Means Death references. Because, why not? I try to link them so you can get it all together. Anyway, Steed Bonnet was born on the 29th of July. Oh, it's almost his birthday. 1688 to a wealthy plantation owner in Bridgeport, Barbados. From what I could find, it was a lovely 400-acre sugar plant cane plantation. He was privileged, educated, and well-mannered and loved reading. After retiring from the Royal Army as a major, Bonnet returned to Bridgeport. In other sources, I read that his rank wasn't really clear because his rank was probably due to his land Ownings and his land holdings as opposed to actual military service since apparently uh, deterring slave riots was an important function of the militia. So he got a, a, a title out of that. I don't know. Anyways. So Bonin's military service coincided with the War of Spanish Succession but there is no record of that he took part in the fighting. So he just might have got a cool rank. Now married, he inherited his family's sugarcane plantation and built his own fortune. Then in 1717, something happened. Bonnet decided to become a pirate. Why? I don't think anyone knows but Bonnet. This caused 
a this has caused so much speculation over the years. Many thought he was crazy, like he just lost it and went off and decided to be a par- pirate. He was wealthy, comfortable, and why would he give that all up? Some thought he was having a midlife crisis. So I had to do the math. He was only 29 at this time. But the average life expectancy at the time wasn't much higher. I think it was uh, for, I think it was mid 50s from what I saw. It's not a lot. <laughs> um, another theory was definitely written by a man in a general history of the pirates. Charles Johnson wrote that Bonnet was driven to piracy by his wife, Mary, nagging and discomforts he found in a married state. So yeah, there's that. It's all Mary's fault. (laughs) Poor Mary. My personal feeling was he was just unhappy with his life for some reason. And he just wanted more. I mean, who doesn't want adventure in their lives? Who, like, seriously, that's why we watch all these adventure things, because we don't have it in our lives. Just saying. Regardless of the reason, Bonnet contracted with a local shipyard to build him a ship. A 10-gun sloop called the Revenge. I had to look this up. A sloop, sloop, sloop is just a boat with a single mast. So it could be really big, it could be little, it just, the big thing is it has one mast. He hired a crew of 70 men to whom he paid a salary and set sail under the cover of darkness. Trouble started immediately. He was the only pirate, apparently in history, who had ever bought a ship. As most pirates seized their ship by mutiny or by boarding them, or by converting a privateer vessel to a pirate ship. And not by buying it. So that was kind of interesting. And again, he paid his crew. This was kind of confusing for everybody. Because he, usually with pirate ships, he you, you split the spoils of your plunder among the crew. So, like, everybody got a percentage of what you just stole from that other ship. He didn't do that. He paid everybody. Completely unheard of. It's kind of confusing. But probably the biggest difference between Bonnet and other pirates at the time was that Bonnet didn't know anything about sailing. He relied on his quartermaster for that. He either wandered around the ship, taking in the sea air as if he was on a midday cruise, or he stayed in his room and read. 
This caused a lot of the men not to respect him. Why would they want to sail under someone that didn't even know how to sail? The crew soon began talks of mutiny. But the revenge did have some success plundering ships. Like, quite a big success. So that's a huge difference from the show. Like, I think it's the first episode. They're already talking about mutiny. Because he doesn't know what he's doing. And they ended up, like, plundering that ship and taking that guy's succulent plant kind of thing. That part is a totally accurate. The mutiny part, yes. But he wasn't... They weren't awful. They weren't bad pirates. He wasn't, like, top-notch. But, you know, they were... They weren't doing too bad. Bonnet's initial cruise took him to the coast of the colony of Virginia, near the entrance of the Chesapeake Bay, where he captured and plundered four vessels and burned a ship named the Turbet to keep news of his crimes from his home island. I thought that was kind of interesting. He didn't want to he didn't want people back home knowing what he was doing. He sailed north to New York City, taking two more ships and picking up naval supplies and releasing captives at Gardner's Island. So, yeah, he's not doing bad. By August 1717, only a couple months into this, he returned to the Carolinas where he attacked two more ships. One of these ships got stripped and the other one was used for parts for the revenge. So really, he's taking ships left and right. And Bonnet, looking for a quick buck, would secretly sell his stolen goods at a discounted price to the rich people in Charleston, goods that they were more than willing to buy on the cheap. Like, some of the fancy, nice stuff they were stealing from these ships, they're, they're selling back to these different rich people for cheaper than what they could have bought. It's fascinating. And this is also important for later. Piracy was largely tolerated in Charlestown, later Charleston, in the late 1600s and early 1700s. Business owners welcomed the free-willing marauders who poured gold and silver into the city because they, they were making some nice money off of it. In September 1717, Bonnet set course for Nassau, Nassau? I think it's Nassau, which was the infamous pirate den on the island of New Providence in the Bahamas. This is where in the show we meet Leslie Jones and Fred Armisen. En route, he encountered, fought, and escaped from a Spanish man of war, which is a really big ship. <laughs> Remember, the Revenge, Bonnet's ship, had ten guns. Ten, like cannons. A man-of-war ship could have up to 124 guns. 
So it definitely was not a fair fight. The revenge was badly damaged. Bonnet was seriously wounded and half of the crew was killed or wounded. When they finally got to Nassau, Nassau, should have looked that up again. Bonnet replaced his casualties and refitted the revenge, increasing the amount of guns to 12. But, you know, it's, it's a little bit better. This is where he first met Edward Teach. That name might sound familiar because it's the real name of Blackbeard in the early spring of 1718. And Blackbeard, historically, is a very interesting character, to put it nicely. Blackbeard was well over six feet tall at a time when poor nutrition restricted the height of most pirates to around 5'5", and he so he literally towered over his crew. Reports circulated that he had fierce and wild eyes and kept a brace of three pistols on a holster across his chest and a tall fur cap on his head. Lighted matches made his luxurious beard smoke. And I love this. This is from a report like a frightful meteor. That's just cool. Unlike Bonnet, we aren't a hundred percent about Blackbeard's life before he became a part pirate. No one knows the year of his birth or even its location. There's a lot of speculation. Of course, there's people who are like, oh yeah, he was born here. But there's no definitive answer, I should say. I'm probably going to have like pirate historians get mad at me, but that's okay. Um, some claim Bristol in Western England. Some historians think he was born to a poor family in Jamaica. Still others insist he was from North Carolina or Philadelphia. Other historians believe that Bonnet, I'm sorry, like Bonnet, he was born into a well-to-do family and gave it all up to be a pirate. I love it. It's fascinating. Like, his early life is a complete mystery and the genealogy behind it is it's just fascinating. And people, even all these years later, haven't let it go. And they're still researching him. For a character we all know, we just don't really know a lot about him. Really. Except for these exploits. What we do know is that he was cunning and shrewd and his reputation for ruthlessness was well known. I thought this was interesting in my uh, research. There is a chance, even though he was known to be ruthless, that he actually avoided violence. And there's a possibility he might not have killed anyone or 
the number is far less than what we think it is. His image was carefully cultivated. He was seen almost as a demon of the seas. Just, just imagine being boarded by a tall man, taller than anyone else, whose beard is literally smoking. Many ships surrendered just because they saw him coming. He was an absolute terror in the Caribbean and the Atlantic between 1760 and 1718. I just want to say those years again. 1716 to 1718. Two years. Only two years. It's, it's amazing. Anyways. Blackbeard boarded Bonnet's ship and quickly realized that Bonnet wasn't like any other pirate. Blackbeard suggested they teamed up. Blackbeard was accruing a fleet at this point and offered to put one of his own crewmen on Bonnet's ship to run things. He probably realized that Bonnet would be easy to work with or control and manipulate. Bonnet could still wander around the deck, read in his room, and recover from wounds sustained in the battle with the Spanish man of war. It's been a couple months, but he's still not there yet. That sounded like a win-win to Bonnet, and he agreed. The two set sail and went off plundering ships. Eleven ships, to be accurate. One of the captains of one of those ships, a Captain Cod, described seeing Bonnet as walking around the deck in a nightshirt after one of these battles, lacking any command and still unwell from his wounds. It, from the description, it sounds like he was kind of a little out of it, but he eventually heals up and Blackbeard and him continue going after ships together with a lot of success. And I'm not going to name them all, because there are a lot. But one that is important to note is after they sailed back to the Caribbean, they attacked a ship named the Concord on November 17th. It was a hell of a fight. The crew of the Concord surrendered after two volleys of cannons and musketry. In other words, they just bombarded them. Blackbeard took this ship for his own and renamed it the Queen Anne's Revenge. And this ship is the most associated with him historically. Blackbeard and Bonnet then separated for a bit. Like, they just went on their separate ways doing pirate things. This was a huge disappointment to Bonnet's crew. Because the the crew, black, they, they liked working with Blackbeard. Blackbeard is a known guy. There, there's prestige in working for Blackbeard among pirates. And, you know, 
Byron just wasn't as good. He just, he just wasn't. So later, when they met back up with Blackbeard, most of the crew actually jumped ship and went to work for Blackbeard. Bonnet was basically screwed at this point. And because he lost so much crew, Blackbeard was able to assume control of the revenge and put one of his henchmen, a Richards, I don't believe this is Izzy, in charge. When Bonnet, I'm sorry, while Bonnet became a guest aboard the Queen Anne's Revenge. So, he loses his ship, and then he has to hang out with Blackbeard on Blackbeard's ship. He doesn't even get to stay on his own ship this time. He's definitely a bit hurt and definitely feels betrayed by who he thought was a friend and confided in trusted crewmen that he was just thinking of giving up piracy altogether. He's talking about going off and exiling himself to Spain or something. He He's pretty sure he's done after all this. In May of 1718, Blackbeard now had a fleet of six ships, block he, and he went and blockaded Charleston, Charlestown, going with the old name. They got, they took out nine ships and took hostages. But in 1718, the casual attitude toward pirates changed. Remember, they were all forex. They were making money off of it, too. Now, uh, the pirates are going a little bit too far, especially after a rash of attacks on British ships going in and out of Charlestown. For several days, Charlestown leaders felt helpless. They couldn't retaliate as long as Blackbeard had hostages, because if they go after them, there's a good chance Blackbeard's going to start taking out those hostages. To make matters worse, the pirates who, again, are fully in control of what is going on in the city, looted and vandalized businesses, attacking anyone who stood up to them or got in their way. It's not going well. South Carolina Governor Robert Johnson was finally able to negotiate the release of the hostages with a few thousand British pounds of silver and gold. Blackbeard sailed away to his favorite hiding hole, Teach's Hole, in North Carolina. Though no one pursued him, he knew the possibility of capture still lingered, which to be fair, it's probably a foresight. So at this point, some of the governors, who are kind of like their own independent countries at this point, uh, the governor of North Carolina is throwing out the idea of pardons for pirates. Because it's gotten so bad, and they have, at a certain point, 
if you've done so much bad, you can't really come back from it. A lot of these guys, this is all they know. But here is your chance to renounce piracy and give it all up and go do your own thing. So, it's interesting because Blackbeard is the one that brought this up to Bonnet. Getting that part in and quitting. Needing a place to rest and refit their vessels, Blackbeard and Bonnet headed north to Topsail Island where the Queen Anne's Revenge, Blackbeard's ship, ran aground and was lost. Which is really interesting because they believe they found it a few years ago. I'm not going to go off on that, but it's... Sea archaeology is amazing. Underwater archaeology. Anyways, leaving the remaining three vessels at topsail, Blackbeard and Bonnet went ashore and journeyed to Bath, which was the capital of North Carolina. Now, even though Blackbeard was all for looking into this pardon idea, he wasn't sure if it wasn't a trap from the governor. And he was worried. It, it would make a lot of sense for them to be like, hey, pirates, come here and get your pardon. And then it's a trap and they get arrested and killed right there. He's not 100% sure. So he convinces Bonnet to go and get one while he watched and waited to see what happened. I mean, there's a good friend right there. And remember in the show, they end up getting arrested and caught and everything. And that's when they kind of give up piracy. That doesn't happen. This is the closest I could find to that. So Bonnet went ashore and accepted his pardon from Governor Charles Eden under King George's Act of Grace. The thing is, though, he had to renounce piracy forever. This becomes really important. The whole thing is you are pardoned for everything up until this point unless you go back and keep being a pirate. It's not bad if you just want to start over. And like we were saying, Bonnet's kind of considering that at this point. He's kind of done. He had a year of being a pirate. He's, he's kind of done with it. While Blackbeard quietly returned to Topsail Island, Bonnet stayed in Bath to get a clearance to take the revenge to Denmark's Caribbean colony of St. Thomas, where he planned to buy a letter of mark and go privateering against Spanish shipping. Eden granted Bonnet this clearance. So letter, letters of mark are so fascinating. A letter of mark was a commission authorizing privately owned ships known as privateers to capture enemy merchant vessels, literally legalizing government-approved pirates. And honestly, these guys were 
pretty helpful in times of war because they could really mess with the enemy. They're taking out supplies, all this. So literally it is government authorized piracy. But they're privateers. They're not pirates. And I, I had to throw this in there. There's talk of letters of Mark coming back on February 28th, 2022. Representative Lance Gooden of Texas introduced a bill into Congress with the idea of using letters of Mark against Russian citizens. The bill states, and it's very legalese and it's hard to read, so I'm going to do my best. The President of the United States is authorized and requested to commission under officially issues letters of Mark and reprisal. So many of privately armed and equipped persons and entities as in the judgment of the president the service may require with suitable instructions to the leaders thereof to employ all means reasonably necessary to seize outside the geographic boundaries of the United States and its territories any yacht plane or other asset of any Russian citizen who is on a list of specially designated nationals and blocked persons maintained by the Office of Foreign Assets control to the Department of the Treasury. Oh, I'm not sure why our bills are written in the longest run-on sentences with just a ton of commas. So hopefully I did that enough justice for you. It appears that as of this recording, this bill was introduced to the House and referred to the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. And that's it. Nothing else seems to have come of it. It was just introduced. Some guy stood up on Congress and said, hey, I think we should let people become pirates again. And that's about it. Wasn't voted on, wasn't nothing. It was it just is thing. Anyways. Back to our boys. So they're 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 talking about getting this part pardon. Bonnet got the pardon, has become a privateer. Blackbeard's like, cool, I see you. Thanks. And, you know, he's been gone for a little bit. He's getting that uh, commission. He's getting provisions gathered. When he returns to his ship about a week later, he's only gone for about a week, he discovered that Blackbeard had robbed the Revenge and their other ships and stranded most of the crews. Like, seriously. And I kind of remember this happening sort of in the show where they, they leave the guys on the little island and Bonnet shows up in the boat to save them. It's just like, oh my god. Bonnet took the revenge because he found her. She's just, she's fine. She's just robbed. 
of everything, got her reinforced, and went and picked up the crew. And from what I read, it was like he Blackbeard left some of the crew on this island, and then some of the crew on this island, and then, like, I think there was like three islands he just left crew members on. And Bonnet went and rescued all of them. And I just, I think that's one of the things that make, this part is, I think, why Bonnet becomes one of my favorite part pirates. And, I mean, Bonnet's pissed. I mean, who wouldn't be, really? But this is, like, the ultimate betrayal. Seriously, Bonnet got word that Blackbeard was off the coast of North Carolina in the Oracoke, if I remember correctly, islands. And he and his crew went looking for him to get revenge. Literally, you just marooned these guys. They're going to die if it wasn't for Bonnet. You just met, messed with Bonnet's ship, which is like, you don't mess with a dude's ship, you guys. It's just so bad. And so they're, they're, they're out for blood. They are ready to take him out. They're all very angry. But they couldn't find him. I saw this video about the Oracoca Islands. I can't remember. Um, and it doesn't look like much, but there's so many little inlets in and out of this area. And they, they just couldn't find him. And this was the last they saw of him. And that was sad. They, they would, they, it, you know. That being said, they couldn't focus on Blackbeard for very long. Bonnet had some real big issues on his hands to take care of. Blackbeard left them with very little food and supplies. Like, remember, he just picked up all these different crews. There were, I think, four ships, and he just, like, marooned three of their crews. That's a lot of guys. And it's a lot of mouths to feed. And I read that there was only 10 crates of food. And they're in the middle of nowhere. They can't just go to a store. And it's also starting to be hurricane season. Things are getting really dicey. Bonnet really didn't have a choice at this point. He had to get back into piracy. He had to get supplies and food for his guys. He hadn't given up on his letter of mark, but he could not get to St. Thomas with the supplies they had, especially with possible storms coming in. And, like, the big problem was, remember, if he went back to piracy, it would nullify his... Pardon. He he didn't want to lose that. He wanted to be done with this. He liked the idea of being a privateer. So, Bonnet was imaginative, to say the least. He came up with a loophole. 
He started going by the alias Captain Thomas and changed the name of the Revenge to the Royal James. He had this weird show he would do by telling a vessel that he wanted to trade with them. So I guess trade was a possibility, but still. And then when they got close, they would board them and rob them. But he it seems like he only did this for a couple ships and he dropped the pretense pretty quickly and just went up to straight up piracy again. And they didn't do too badly this time around. Maybe because it was necessity. <laughs> but this is when Bonnet really becomes one of the best pirates around, according to some historians. He's like top notch at this point. At this point, Bonnet was also splitting the spoils with his crew, the common pirate practice, instead of paying them wages like he was doing before. I can't help but think this was because he probably didn't have the means to pay them. Also, some historians believe that Bonnet, as Cop Captain Thomas, had people actually walk the plank. Now, walking the plank was a rarely done thing that only really became popular in pop culture references much, much later. I, I can't help but think that Bonnet was reading about this in one of his books and was like, hey, I'm going to start doing that. That's some pirate shit right there. Now, to be fair, some historians believe the concept of walking the plank didn't start until much later after Bonnet, but it's still an interesting note I wanted to throw in there. Anyways, I can't help but think that Bonnet at this point realized he was in some real trouble. He threw out the idea of being the gentleman pirate and said, fuck it, let's do this thing. He had technically learned from the best. The Royal James was not doing great. Remember, that's the new name for the revenge. It was leaking pretty badly. They were 12 days out from the Delaware Bay where they were aiming to ride out hurricane season. Bonnet entered the estuary of the Cape Fear River and anchored near the mouth of the small waterway, now known as Bonnet's Creek, apparently. Most of the ships that Bonnet, or Captain Thomas at the time, would capture, he would release, but one he kept to dismantle for parts for the Royal James. Also, side note, he captured two ships that he made into a sort of fleet at this point. So, it's not just one ship at this point. There's three. And people were starting to take notice that there are pirates in this little area, and a lot of them, and the authorities were contacted.
So here starts the beginning of the end of Steed Bonnet. If you're anything like me, now all you can picture is adorable Rice Darby when you hear the name Steed Bonnet. And like I said earlier, it gets rough. And I mentioned a couple other times, this is the part where I kind of get a, I got teary eyed while doing the research for this. So yeah, here we go. In late August, reports reached Governor Robert Johnson of South Carolina of the pirates in the area. Johnson ordered militia Colonel William Rett to command an operation to destroy the pirate threat. He did not have regular Royal Navy sailors under his command, but locally raised sailors from Charleston, men who were kind of sick of dealing with the pirates. At the colonel's disposal were two eight-gun ships with a combined 130 men. Colonel Rhett reached the Cape Fear River estuary on the night of September 26, 1718, almost my birthday, and was sighted by Bonnet and his men. Believing the ships to be that of merchants, the pirates boarded three canoes and headed for the unrecognized South Carolina for them. It was at this time that Rhett's flagship, Henry, ran aground on a sandbar. This allowed the canoes to approach close enough to discover the entity of the grounded vessel. Once they did, they turned about and paddled back to their ships unharmed. So they got there and went, oh shit, and got back. Instead of fleeing up the small river in darkness, Bonnet decided that he would fight his way back to the sea. So the next morning at daylight, the pirates prepared to pass the two British ships, which were now free of the sandbar. They dispersed amongst the Royal James, the Fortune and the Francis and loaded their arms. Those are his other two ships he gathered. I realize I didn't have their names earlier. At daylight the following morning, Bonnet raised his flag and attacked. They sailed for a few minutes until they came within range of the enemy ship, then opened fire with cannon and muskets. The British ship returned fire and they split up, but the Henry ran aground again along with the other ship. So both ships are stuck. To avoid enemy fire, Steed steered his vessel close to the western shore, and then they ran aground on the sand. None of this is going well for anyone. At this point, only Henry and the Royal James, Royal James, I guess it's not the, were within range of each other. For five to six hours, the two sides dueled and were un they weren't able to move. So they're just shooting at each other 
for five to six hours. Hen the Henry was grounded in a position which left its crew with minimal cover from incoming fire. The opposite was true for the Royal James. I'm putting in those. I don't know if it's accurate, but it makes more sense. Whose hull was kind of used to block en enemy fire. During the fighting, Bonnet stayed on deck with his pistol in hand and warned that he would shoot any man who showed cowardice. That sounds, you know, rough, but it's a pirate thing to do. Like, his men were like, hell yeah, let's do this. Like, morale is high. They are ready to battle. And I'm just going to throw this out there. Talk about a redemption story for Bonnet. Come on. That's good. Look at him going. Uh, it's so good. Anyways. Uh, apparently, like, like I said, the morale was high. They cheered each other on. And they kept, like, they're close. They can hear each other. <laughs> they're, like, shouting insults at the British, or I guess the South Carolina, Carolinas, Carolinians ships and you know daring them to board and here's the thing after five hours of fighting the South Carolinians had suffered 30 casualties with the pirates the pirates only nine were killed or injured they did much better. Much better. Anyways. So, the British ships were downstream, and when the water began to rise in the early afternoon, wretched ship, ships were freed, while bonnets remained stranded. The British ships repaired their rigging and raised their sails. Soon after the Henry was in position to fire its starboard guns directly into the deck of Bonnet's Royal James. Bonnet ordered the, gov the gunner, George Roche. Uh, so I forgot to add this part. So they're kind of basically surrounded. They're still stuck. Whereas... The British ship, even though they took, you know, heavy damages and lost a lot of guys, they still had more guys than the pirates. And now they're free. They're able to move. And the pot, the pirates are stuck. <laughs> they're screwed. Bonnet ordered his gunner, George Ross, to light the powder magazine, blowing them all up to smithereens. But, I believe it was George Ross was persuaded not to by his surviving crewmen who had already surrendered. After another few minutes of conflict, the Royal James was boarded and the crew captured. They were imprisoned in the provost's dungeon in Charlestown. 
because of Bonnet's popularity with the town's elite. Remember way back when, when he would sell some of his bounty to the town's rich people at discounted prices? They remembered that. They still liked him. Pirate or not, he was the gentleman pirate, don't you know? Strings were pulled to get Bonnet out of the dungeon and placed under house arrest in the town's marshal's in the town marshal's mansion. That's hard to say, but literally, he's he's hanging out in the he's like this big pirate and he's hanging out at the town marshal's house. It's insane. With the help of a crooked sentry, I just like saying that, and a few local sympathizers. Bonnet was able to escape while disguised as a woman. He and his lieutenant, who was with him, which I can't remember his name. I might have it in here uh, later, but he had one of his guys with him. Um, escaped in a small boat with the help of what is described as a slave and a Native American. I'm picturing Jim and their love interest. I can't remember how to say it and I feel really bad. But that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing them going out on this little boat and helping Bonnet and I think the seagull guy to escape while he's dressed as a woman. It's going to be an amazing season two if we get it. I'm just saying and now I lost my spot. But they were soon recaptured on Sullivan's Island, located across the harbor the next day. They didn't get very far. Bonnet and his crew were captured by a group led by William Rhett, the same guy. Bonnet repeatedly tried to obtain a pardon from Robert Johnson without success due to his previous status in society. It wasn't looking great for him. Here we go. On December 10th, 1718, Bonnet was taken to the gallows at White Point Gardens located in Charlestown Harbor and was hanged with 29 other pirates. Walter Frazier describes the scene. Manacled and clutching a nosegay of wildflowers, he was taken in a hurdle to the place of execution near White Point, where he once, where the once bold pirate appeared terrified and near collapse. The executioner dropped the noose over his head and around his neck, and then Bonnet was swung off the cart. He died an agonizing death of strangulation, the invention of the gallows that would break the victim's neck being years away. He died holding wildflowers. Anyways, I'm not going to cry. The 30 corpses twisted in the coastal breeze for four days, four days, so that any pirate 
sailing in the harbor would see that Charleston, Charlestown had had enough. They were done with pirates. Throughout five weeks in 1718, actually, 49 pirates had been killed. They were going after them. Pirates would often row up Vanderhorst Creek, which is nearby this area, to access the city from the rear. So after the pirates' bodies were cut down from the gallows, they were thrown into the creek, which ran below the waterline from the beginning of the Copper River across the peninsula toward Meeting Street. Any pirate who had designs to sneak into Charleston would surely see the masked makeshift grave in the creek. Bonnet's body was not thrown into the creek, though. Bonnet's body was tarred and displayed in an iron cage as a warning to others. And so ends our darling Bonnet. So, what is Blackbeard up to at this point? After he betrayed Bonnet, he eventually got his pardon from Governor Eden, but never really actually stopped being a pirate. Very, you know, Blackbeard-esque. But yeah, he, he got his pardon and then just continued being Blackbeard. He was hanging out in the Oracoke Islands, near North Carolina, like we said. This made the local government there very nervous, especially when other notable pirates started showing up to party, such as Israel Hands, who is Izzy, Robert Deal, and Calico Jack, who was that a, in that one episode, played by Will Arnett in the show. So, Alexander Spotswood, the governor of Virginia, was prompted to issue a proclamation on July 10th requiring all former pirates to make themselves known to authorities to give up their arms and not travel in groups larger than three. Three. So he couldn't hang out with more than three pirates. Plus, he had proof that Blackbeard continued his piracy after his pardon. Remember, he got his pardon in North Carolina. Or was it South Carolina? I think ah, I'm getting confused. But one of the Carolinas. This is Virginia. So, plans started being hatched to figure out how to capture Blackbeard. Valuable information was obtained on 
Blackbeard's whereabouts, and Spotswood planned to send his forces across the border into North Carolina to capture Blackbeard. There's a lot of like political shit going on in this situation. I'm skipping all of it. It it it's not overly important to the story. It's interesting, but we're already long enough. He gained the support of two men keen to discredit North Carolina's governor, and he also wrote to the Lords of Trade, suggesting that the Crown might benefit financially from Blackbeard's capture. So, like, there's a lot of people coming together to try to capture Blackbeard. Spotswood, governor of Virginia, personally financed the operation, and it's believed that he did this believing that Blackbeard had fabulous treasures hidden away and he would technically get those if it was true, if they captured him. He ordered Captain Gordon and Brand of HMS Pearl and HMS Lime to travel overland to Bath. Lieutenant Robert Maynard of HMS Pearl was given command of two commandeered ships to approach the town from the sea. An extra incentive incentive of Blackbeard's capture was the offer of reward from the Assembly of Virginia over and above any that might be received from the crown. Like, they are throwing money at this. When they found Blackbeard, him and his crew were partying. They're drinking, they're corrupt. I'm like, they're just hanging out. They're, they're having a grand old time. They realized that he had severely diminished forces. Like, he only had about 25 men with him. They didn't even have a lookout set up, which to me is, like, insane. But he might have had more men if he didn't just randomly strand them everywhere. But I digress. Maynard and his forces scouted scouted the area, and he stationed men all of, around all of, what could have been Blackbeard's possible escape routes. And they wouldn't let any ships into or out of the inlet because they were so worried about somebody warning him. And then they waited for morning. Maynard and the two other ships basically ambushed Blackbeard and his men. It was a horrible, bloody battle. Considering the pirates were probably very hungover, Blackbeard and his men immediately went into attack mode, taking out the British ship and killing like 20 guys. After that, the exact details of the battle grow a little fuzzy. Probably a fog of war situation. Maynard kept many of his men below deck 
and in anticipation of being boarded, told them to prepare for close fighting. Blackbeard watched as the gap between the vessels closed and ordered his men to be ready. The two vessels contacted one another. So I'm just picturing them ramming into each other as the Maynard ship is sending grappling. Oh no, I screwed that up. I'm sorry. Um, the pirate ship is throwing grappling hooks to hit their target and several grenades, which I didn't know grenades were really a thing by this time, but cool. Uh, made from powder and shot filled bottles and ignited by fuses, which I thought was interesting. Um, as the smoke cleared, Blackbeard led his men aboard the ship. And they really did. There wasn't anybody there. They were like, this is weird. And there's like a small group of men they continue fighting with. With Maynard. He's there. He's on the deck fighting these guys. And then the rest of Maynard's men then burst from the hold, shouting and firing. The plan to surprise Blackbeard and his crew worked. The pirates were apparently taken aback by the assault. Blackbeard rallied his men and the two groups fought across the deck, which was already slick with blood from those killed and injured by Blackbeard's broadside. Maynard and Blackbeard fired their flintlocks at each other, then threw them away because, you know, they're one-shot kind of things. And then Blackbeard drew his cutlass and managed to break Maynard's sword. Against superior training and a slight advantage in numbers, the pirates were pushed back toward the bow, allowing the crew to surround Maynard and Peach, sorry, Blackbeard, who was by then completely isolated. Like they're, they're, fire, they're fighting each other in this one area. He's broken Maynard's sword and as Maynard drew back, he grabbed one of his guns again and he went to fire again. Blackbeard moved in to attack him, but was slashed across the neck by one of Maynard's men. Badly wounded, he was then attacked and killed by several more of Maynard's crew. The remaining pirates quickly, quickly surrendered. Those left on the ship were captured by the other crew, including one who had planned to set fire to the power room and blow up the ship. Apparently this was like a latch stitch effort kind of thing. So we talked about it a couple times already. Varying accounts exist of the battle's list of casualties. 
Maynard reported that eight of his men and 12 pirates were killed. Bran reported that 10 pirates and 11 of Maynard's were killed. Spotswood claimed 10 pirates and 10 of the king's men died. There's still quite a bit of guys dying. Maynard later examined Blackbeard's body, noting, noting that it had been shot five times and cut, like slashed with a sword kind of thing, about 20. Remember how I said a bonnet? Or I said, I should say earlier, I said both bonnet and Blackbeard's ends were kind of rough. Here's Blackbeard's. Blackbeard's corpse was then decapitated. His corpse was thrown into the inlet and his head was suspended from the bowsprit of Maynard's ship so that the reward could be collected. On their way, on their return to Virginia, Blackbeard's head was placed on a pole at the entrance of the Chesapeake Bay as a warning to other pirates and a greeting to other ships as it stood there for several years. Years, you guys. Ooh. Ugh. And so ends our pirates. But let's be honest. This is a haunted podcast, so right after this, I'll get into the hauntings, I promise. So, now the whole point of this podcast. I promised you ghost pirates, and you're gonna get ghost pirates. Battery Park and White Point Gardens is really a gorgeous place from the pictures I've seen. It is filled with these giant old oak trees. Like, when you think of North Carolina, you think of those, like, or I should say the south, you think of those giant oak trees. And that's all this park. It's gorgeous. One article I read said some of the trees still stand that were once watered by the blood of the pirates. I don't know if that's true, but that whole line was fun to say. This place was the execution site for the city's outlaws, including, it is believed, up to 50 pirates. It has been a park since 1857. And this place has seen some shit from the pirates, from hurricanes to the Civil War. It sounds like it's really a haunted area. But we're just going to focus on the hauntings by the pirates. Reports include floating apparitions and terrifying screams echoing through the night. One story of a couple who encountered 
an apparition hanging in midair beneath the oaks of the park. Another mentions that the spirits have been witnessed standing under the oaks and screaming at passersby. Remember how the pirates' bodies were cut down after execution and they were thrown into the creek? Well, legend has it if one looks out on the bay from the foot of Water Street where the Vander Horse Creek once met the waters of the Cooper River, why I mentioned those earlier, when the moon is high, if you glance down, you can still spot the faces of the executed pir pirates staring back at them from the water's surface. Some of these faces have been described as bloated and rotten. It seems to go back and forth. Like there, there were some stories where you just look out and there's men basically just awkwardly floating in this creek. And then there's some where you could see that they were bloated and decaying. Either way, terrifying. There are reports of Bonnet being seen wandering the park, probably enjoying a walk among the oaks. That, that, that sounds like something he would have done. Among the cannons and statues that line the park, and there's like lots of little monuments around, it's pretty cool. There is a little epitaph to Steve Steed Bonnet that reads Near this spot in the autumn of 1718, Steed Bonnet, notorious gentleman pirate, and 29 of his men captured by Colonel William Rhett, met their just deserts after a trial and charge and charge famous in American history by Chief Justice Nicholas Trott. Later, 19 of Richard Worley's crew captured by Governor Robert Johnson were also found guilty and hung. All were buried off White Point Gardens in a marsh beyond water mark. Sorry, beyond low water mark. So, that's accurate. We have this document if they were just thrown in the water. Well, buried more sounds better, but still. I can't help but think that bonnet, though his end was quite gruesome, probably enjoys his notoriety as being an infamous pirate. That's kind of what he was after. Now, Blackbeard might have been even more gruesome on this. On January 3rd, 1719, under sunny skies, with Maynard and his ship, they captured him, you know, go back to all of that. He hung his head off of the bowsprit. It 
continues that Maynard passed by the other two ships that were commissioned to get him, and they saluted each other with nine cannon blasts. I just think that image is cool, so I wanted to add that in there. Um, and then they, those two ships, did another nine cannon blasts. And like we said, um, Virginia Governor Alexander Spotswood had Blackbeard's head mounted on a pike along the edge of the river. This location became known as Blackbeard's Point. According to some later accounts, Blackbeard's head was eventually taken down and the top of his skull was turned into a punch bowl that was enlarged with silver or silver plated and used for a time at one of the taverns in Williamsburg. If, if this is true, we don't know if it's true, it has sadly been lost to history. So, there's a little bit more. Uh, after Blackbeard was killed and decapitated, remember, his body, his headless body, was thrown overboard. Legend has it that the headless body swam around Maynard's ship three times before sinking below the waters. He's like a pirate chicken now. Pirate ghost chicken. Ever since then, it's been reported that Blackbeard's ghost still haunts the spot known as Teach's Hole. Many people have reported seeing a strange light moving beneath the water in the cove. This ghastly light is thought by some to be Blackbeard's spirit swimming through the waters, searching for his head. There are those who believe on stormy nights you can hear Blackbeard's voice calling out in the wind. On nights when the angry wind is roaring and hard rain is coming down, people have claimed to hear roaring from this hidden cove. They say it's an unearthly, unearthly noise that sounds like a pained human bellowing out, Where's my head? Also, apparently, his headless apparition has been seen on the beach. And it, it's, I don't know. There's stories of his body washing up in London, for God's sakes. I think, like, 30 years later, it, it's so strange. But anyways, that is our story today. And I got you to the ghost pirates, finally.
Thank you to everyone out there listening today. If you are interested in more pictures, info, and my sources for this week's episode, please check out the website, myhauntedlifepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have a ghost story to share, please email me at myhauntedlifepodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to tell your friends and family about the show. Word of mouth goes a very long way. You can also follow My Haunted Life Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please subscribe to the Patreon page. You can support the show for as little as $2 a month. I'm going to put up the... um. I'm pointing at it. You can't see what I'm doing, but I'm pointing at it. The recording video of um, the behind the scenes of me doing this. You you get the like special in-between things of me taking drinks of tea and giving you my inside thoughts between breaks. Surprisingly, we did not get interrupted by any cats. That has never happened ever. Actually, that's very strange. Um, I should probably go check on them. Anyways, music is by Ghost Stories Incorporated. And that's it for this show. I'll see you all next week on my Haunted Life podcast. And until then, stay haunted. <laughs>